Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Private Citizen. You're listening to episode 55 for Friday, the 5th of February, 2021. One year anniversary. Hello, everybody. Nice to have you. Nice uh, for you to listen to the show. It is a very special show for me today. Uh, because the show today, on the uh, 5th of February, is exactly one year old. One year ago, I, um, you know, recorded and uploaded the very first episode of Private Citizen, which is something I want to celebrate today. Uh, not only that I that the podcast is a year old, which is uh, amazing to me, uh, it doesn't feel that old yet, but also that, I, as you can tell, this is the 55th episode. So I did 54 uh, in a year, which is more than, you know, the 52 weeks a year normally has. Um, so I, I reached my goal to release an episode a week. Uh, as I said in when I started the show, uh, it's not really an episode every single week because, you know, it took some breaks. But I recorded some extra episodes, like the very one I'm doing right now, and made up for it. So uh, on average, I did an episode a week. And that is something I'm, I'm proud of, I gotta say. I don't say this often. Um, but I'm I'm proud of this because you know doing a podcast on your own uh, is is not easy and doing a podcast at all isn't easy, uh, especially if you want to do it uh, regularly and um, you know doing it on your own every single week. Um, I'm I'm quite happy that I made it. So today, uh, because this is a special episode, we are doing something special. I had announced this I think last week. Um, we are doing an AMA, and if you are, if you don't know what that is, uh, you know that that's okay. It's, it's internet slang. It, it, it's uh, I think originated on Reddit. Uh, it means ask me anything. It's a style of questionnaire where uh, people asked ask other people, you know, often celebrities or something, you know, people that are well known uh questions and you are free to ask anything you want and the understanding is that the person answering it basically uh pretty much answers any any of the questions um and we're doing exactly that i asked the people uh, you know we have a discord server links are on the page all these questions are also on the page uh, the show notes this time are a little bit different than usual but they are on uh, privatecitizen.press of course the answers won't be but I asked the people in our discord server there's a, there's a link um, you know there's we have a special channel for the subscribers the you know Patreon subscribers and the Twitch subscribers that only those have access to as a little bonus for you know supporting the show mon monetarily and I you know I asked them in there uh, do you want to ask me some questions and I have a list of 22 questions that I uh, I've seen of course but I haven't really thought about much um, not because I'm lazy. Well, I am. I am. <laughs> I I am a bit lazy, uh, but um, no, I haven't thought about it so much. Uh, mostly because I want to uh, preserve a little bit um, of of the cuffness here. I think it's it's interesting. Some of these questions are quite hard to answer. I feel, and uh, it, you know, it might it might. Uh, I think they're more truthful if I answer them directly and you you get to hear the process and you get me thinking about them a bit. So this also might take take a while because I don't, they're 22. I don't want to rush through them. Uh, I want to answer, give them the time they deserved uh, the, the answers. But I also uh, got to think about some of these. So uh, it might take some time. <laughs> so uh, settle in, I, I would say. Uh, uh, so let's, 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 let's do that. Let's get into the questions. 
Right, as I, as I said, these are from the people who support the show monetarily. As I always say, all, everybody, all of you are, you know, you're listeners if you listen to this, but you might quickly graduate to become a producer um, if you send some feedback, um, which we, oh, by the way, won't have any on this show because it's a special kind of show. You know, I won't answer any feedback because I'm, I'm also answering a lot <laughs> today already. But uh, of course, you can always send feedback and I will uh, read it and I will actually read out quite a lot of it on the show and respond to it. And if you do that, you're already a producer. If you send me some links, uh, some interesting stuff, if you recommend some kind of topic you want me to talk about, you're a producer. But then there are also these people who, um, you know, attach some monetary value to the show and then give, give some of that back on the value for value model and to give them a little bit special uh, incentive. Of course, there's this... Uh, Discord uh, channel, which, which was very quiet uh, for the first. I mean, it's, it hasn't been around for a year, but it's generally very quiet. Usually, people just talk in the normal Discord uh, rooms. Uh, but I just wanted to give people, uh, you know, the ability to do this. Uh, who, you know, give the give these people who've supported me. A lot of them. I talked about that on the previous show. A lot of them um, throughout. Some of them for the whole year, a lot of them have just, you know, come in at some point and then and stayed and supported the show, which I appreciate very much. So I wanted to give them something special. So let's, without further, further ado and without further uh, rambling, let's get into these questions, get into the AMA. So the first question is... So if I haven't written down who asked these. Uh, I guess you will know. Uh, some of these, uh, one or two questions were also doubled up. So I basically put them together as one question. Um, so what's your favorite beer? Now that is um, a relatively easy question, but I want to pre preface my answer with the, uh, the um, point that I make. Um, a few years ago, I made a conscious effort to uh, try many many beers and i will go out of my way if i'm in the supermarket and i'm, I'm if in the beer you know most people just buy the beer that they always buy and i i want to try new beer so whenever i'm in a in a the beer uh, corner of a supermarket uh, i will try to pick something i haven't drunk before or something new or something i haven't drunk in a long time so i make it my uh, kind of one of my missions is to try every possible beer that said, uh, my personal favorite beer, I love Pilsner. Pilsner is probably, I drink all kinds of styles of beer. I love them all. I um, I enjoyed ale a lot when I was in the UK. Now, in Germany, ale is very hard to get. Um, but my default, uh, my favorite style of beer is Pilsner. And my favorite Pilsner is Radeberger. Um, I love Radeberger. It's just, uh, the, just the perfect Pilsner to me. Um, Pilsner Urquell comes close but I think I prefer Radeberger. Now, there is a little caveat. I have, you know, everybody grew up in a place and people like beer uh, will usually have beer from their home area that they're very fond of. And while, and I have one of those, and uh, that is might probably be my favorite beer. Radeberger is my favorite beer as far as the t like the actual taste and it's actual, I think, my favorite taste of beer. But then there's also König Pilsner, which is from the town I was born in, Duisburg, which I know, you know, now uh, in Düsseldorf. Um, oh, in the intro, I was so happy that the show was going on for a year. I probably didn't introduce myself. Hello, I'm Fab. 
I, I host this podcast. I'm Fab. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm from Germany, and I now live in Düsseldorf. So this show comes to you live from Düsseldorf. Um, now, I was born just a city further north in Duisburg. And Duisburg has a beer called König Pilsner, which is well-known all over Germany, uh, also known as Kupi, um, which, which I'm very fond of. Can remember when back when my grandpa was alive, who died pretty early uh, in, in in my life. Uh, he used to he was uh, he was in the war and he was uh, he was um, disabled because of a, a grenade uh, shrapnel piece of grenade shrapnel that was in his leg from World War Two, and he would be able to ride the public transport for free, and. Uh, he would do that with me when I was like about six or something. Back in the day when you were, I think, under eight as a child, you could also ride for free. So we would ride the public transport just for free. You know, just hang out and just, you know, go places. And we'd always ride past uh, in Duisburg. So I'm, I was living, I'm born in the very north of Duisburg. Um, I was I was born in a uh, in a very small place called Wehofen, um, which is a, its own uh District uh, is part of Walsum. Most people know Walsum if they know Duisburg. Anyway, so very north of Germany would uh, north of Germany, uh, north of Duisburg, and we would always ride the public transport, uh, you know, towards the south, towards the city center, and you go past Beek, which is a uh, another um, district of the city where this brewery is, uh, König Pilsner Brewery. For the longest time, it used to be a private. Uh, I think it's still. Well, it's bought. It was bought. No, I think it was bought by by one of the big. I think Bitburger. I don't know. One of the big uh, breweries in Germany. But for the longest time, it used to be private and 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 owned by the by the by the family family of the Sky König, who which means king in German. Who this is this last name? Who founded uh, the uh, the brewery? And so I I love that beer. That's my. I drink that a lot as well. That's my home beer. Like whenever I've, I have nostalgia and I want to feel like. You know, back home, especially when I wasn't living so close to here, like, you know, when I was living in London or if I could get my hands on it, or if I was living in Hanover or in Hamburg. And whenever I thought of the rural area and my, my home hometown and Schimanski and Gotski Orge, all those uh, things uh, that are connected to Duisburg as steelworks and coal mines, um, I would drink drink Kopi. And I still I still love it. So that is the answer to the first question. Now the second question is, uh, what is your favorite Springsteen album or two? I now find it hard to pick just one and why. Uh, I find it hard to pick just one and why. So what's your favorite Springsteen album or two and why? Uh, actually, I have to say two uh, because... Um, so my my my. So if you just go regular albums, studio albums, um, I would have to say Darkness on the Edge of Town. Because it is just, I feel his best album. Uh, most people think his best album is Born to Run. I do like Born to Run, but I think uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town is just my favorite. I love the title song. I love Badlands, which, you know, that's a just, you know, getting into an album with that. Um, actually, let me just look up uh, Darkness. On the edge of town. I have to to look up this up because I don't know it by heart. I listen to you know Springsteen is one of my favorite artist, and it's just going blends together. Sometimes I remember, I forget what songs on what album. I just have to see if uh, if Jungle Land is on there, um, which it is. Is it not? It's not. So Badlands, Adam Rice, Okay, I love those songs. Um, so Jungle Land's my favorite Springsteen song. Uh, 
So I have to look up what album is that on? Uh, well, I will have to. Oh, that's actually on Born to Run. Ha, see? Um, yeah, so that's my favorite song. But generally, my favorite album is um, is Darkness on the Edge of Town. I just love the whole vibe of that. It's very grim, generally. It's got some, it's got some emotional, like some happy bits to it, some some hopeful bits. But it's a very gritty album. It, it fits, as I was just talking about Duisburg, it fits the town I was growing up in, the time I was growing up in it. You know, um, I, I'm born in 83. So, so growing up to tail end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s uh, in a steel and mining town when coal mining was very much on the decline and there was a lot of unemployment it fits the thing springsteen is singing about as well now my second well you know my second not my second favorite but my second favorite springsteen album uh is uh the life life 1975 to life 1985 because springsteen is best live like he's just such a great live performer that listening to springsteen you haven't listened to springsteen if you haven't seen him live now the best Next best best thing is, of course, uh, you know, having a live album, and they're also also great. Uh, especially, you know, has a lot of great DVDs and stuff. But um, this album is, is special because it is it encompasses a uh, you know a ten years in Springsteen's career where he was uh, very good uh, and had very good live performances, and has pretty much any song on there that you'd want. Um, from his early early career and it's just it's just an amazing album um and uh that like if i had one album i could take to uh to deserted island i would take that one because it's a it's a three cd set it has it has a lot of songs on there it spans the gamut from springsteen's uh repertoire you know classic born to run the uh, yeah, classic Bond run, of course, but classic Bond in the USA that everybody knows. Two songs that people, uh, you know, are not familiar with, like from Nebraska, where they really don't know if you if you only heard like Born to Run and Born in the USA and Streets of Philadelphia, you really don't know what Springsteen is about. Um, if you want to know, listen to that album. Uh, it's amazing. So that would be my second one. My runner-ups would probably be uh, Lucky Town for just a normal studio album which a lot of people don't like Springsteen himself doesn't like so he doesn't play songs from it often um, I love that album it's just like a happy-go-lucky kind of album uh, and uh, Life in New York City would probably be my runner-up for a live album that is divine uh, the version of uh, Jungle Land on that is excellent it's an excellent version of uh, uh, Lost in the Flood uh, that uh, for when I when I had my Twingo, I had on the you know my very very first car, which I had for a very long time and I miss very dearly. I had a Bound for Glory uh, on the back. Uh, the the back window was completely. Uh, there was a huge uh, you know uh, sticker that I had printed in in fonts that I'd made uh, that said Bound for Glory, uh, Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band. So yeah, so that answers that question. I I would guess. Um, Number three, if you were a character in a Star Trek series, what would your name be and what would your crew role be? Bonus points for pinpointing the exact series that you would want to be in. Um, I would want to be in, uh, I think, The Next Generation because I love that ship. I love the Enterprise D and I love the people on it. 
Um, I like Deep Space Nine, but I wouldn't want to live on a fucking Cardassian space station. <laughs> um, especially not in the Dominion War. Um, I like Voyager and the people, but also I wouldn't want to be stuck over in the fucking Delta Quadrant. So um, so it would have have to be the next generation. Um, I'm sure I would, you know, every Star Trek uniform I've ever owned has been an ops uniform. So I would be an ops. I don't see myself as a command person. Um, I'm certainly, I would be a bit of a troublemaker in, in Starfleet, I think. I'm not generally good with, you know, I've, I've never been in the military. I got, got my best to get not get drafted into the German military for the compulsory service that you have to do, uh, which some medical issues that weren't really medical issues helped with. <laughs> and um, so I, uh, I would have, trouble uh i would probably that would be one of the reasons if i ever stayed in starfleet i would probably i would be like tom paris although he is in command division but i would probably never be good in command division i would probably be an ops uh, i would love to be an engineer that's what i would want to be but i'm you know if, if we're talking fab as in you know as i am in real life uh i am shitty with taking things i'm shitty with hardware i'm, I'm much better with software um, like if they had some engineering, you know, uh, some software guru there, I would. That would probably be me. Although I'm also not really a programmer. I think I would be in security. I'm pretty sure I would be in security. I would probably be more buff than I am now. And uh, yeah, I, I think security. I would. I would do well. Um, not only physical security, but also probably, you know, the they must have some 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 basically IT security people. I think that's uh, that's who I would be as to what my name would be i don't know wouldn't it just be a normal name um i, I guess i would i, I would be a, a human right uh i i've, I've no idea uh, i'm just going with fabian Cherche, although they they would never put that in the star trek series because nobody can pronounce it the closest ever to my name is actually i've just finished watching lower decks which is excellent by the way it's a cartoon star trek series and i'm normally not into cartoons but this series is great it is so much better than discovery uh, one of the characters is called bradwood or brad boimler and boimler is written with o is spelled with an o i but i guess it's uh, just a americanized version of the german name boimler which would be with an umlaut um with an A, uh, an A, actually, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that probably that's that's what the what my that, that's the closest name that was ever in Star Trek that would come close to my name. Okay, let's uh, that I hope that answers that question. Let's move on. Number four. Um, number four is what's your favorite movie? Now, this is relatively easy. Now, we have lots of favorite questions, which are always a go-to for everybody. Uh, my favorite movie is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is a spaghetti western uh, made by Sergio Leone, um, which is the final movie in the uh, the Man With No Name trilogy. It's actually uh, in the continuity. It is the f where it takes place first. It is in my eyes, the best Western ever made. I, I love Westerns. It is a supreme movie. Clint Eastwood in it is just a superhuman. Um, it's just the, the, the whole, the, the, the way these movies were made and uh, the way it is, uh, it, it focuses on, on the scenery 
and the cinematography. I just I adore that movie. Uh, Levan Klaef is just amazing. Eli Wallach is just fucking amazing. I this is my favorite movie um, of all time. I love that movie. I, I cannot tell you how much I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. My wife, Katie, every time we watch it, will fall asleep before the first word is ever uttered uh, in the movie. <laughs> it's not something... Usually she wakes up when they blow up the bridge. <laughs> if if I haven't, uh, you know, basically uh, escorted her to bed by that time. But yeah, I, I, I love that movie. Um, some other movies... Um, I really like uh, Alien. I'm not a horror movie fan. Uh, I don't consider Alien to be a real horror movie. You know, another one of these jump scary ones. I love that movie. Um, I love um, um, what, what else? What uh, the Dread? Like the as far as newer movies go, my favorite definitely is Dread. Um, you know, the new version, not the you know the one with uh, Carl Urban. I love that movie. It's great. It's also another like I tend to like movies who are a little bit imperfect. I don't like movies who are really expensive and have a huge budget. So if you notice the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, filmed uh, very much with budget restraints, uh, even though Sergio Leone was becoming a superstar back in the day. Uh, Alien, uh, very clear. Not, not so much budget constraints, but the, the the way this movie is filmed and the way they portray the the alien is or the xenomorph is. Uh, very much down to uh, their limits of special effects. And I love that. I love these movies who do more with your imagination than with special effects. And Dread, the same way. Dread is, uh, is I mean, it has special effects and everything, but it is very limited in the way it is, it is filmed. Uh, very limited sets. Um, and so I love it. My favorite Star Trek movie, if we're at Star Trek, is, of course, First Contact. Uh, that is that is the best Star Trek movie. My favorite book. Now this is hard. Uh, I I have a many. I love reading. I love books. Um, there are many, 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 many. I would probably say. Um, so my my favorite, if you go like book series, um, would be The Dark Tower by Stephen King. And I think one of the books from there. That is my. That is probably my favorite book of all time. Is uh, the fourth uh, book, fourth novel in that series called Wizard and Glass. I adore that book. That is. It's just. And Stephen King is. Um, you know, if I haven't. I had. I don't. I'm not a. I. I don't. I don't read many of his other books um, because I don't like horror. And I mean, his books are not really horror. Most of them are. You know have horror elements and they're really about something else but um i just i'm not a fan of a lot of the stuff he writes about but the dark tower is just to me it's just a masterpiece i, I love it and wizard and glass is just such a good book um now second favorite franchise it might be the favorite even i can't really decide is is Discworld. i love Discworld. And this, like, if if we go on the you know desert island kind of thing, you take this world because there's just so much many more books. Like, if you just take all the Discworld books, you can just survive for the rest of your life. If you're just rereading that, there's just so much difference in there and so so much amazing stories. And I love uh, the truth. I mean, I'm a journalist. I I think a lot about journalism. I'm not one of these journalists who ended up in the job because like could do anything else um i i did, made a very conscious decision at some point that this would be my life's 
occupation. And I think about that a lot. And uh, the truth is about journalism. And if you never read a Discord book, read the truth. The truth is the best treatise. I mean, it's, it is a fantasy novel, right? But it is the best treatise on journalism there is. I shit you not. It's better than any other, like any textbook on the, su on the subject. It teaches you so much about journalism, about what the, um, what the ideals are and what the real world is like. Uh, which isn't a coincidence. I mean, Terry Pratchett worked as a journalist because he became a writer fairly late in his life and um, worked in journalism, kind of like uh, Zapkowski, who wrote the Witcher books, which are also excellent. Um, so that's a great book. And if you, another book, which isn't, you know, isn't, that's definitely my favorite Discord book, but another one which is great if you just want to, just want to read a one-off. Small book, Small Gods is probably also one of the best books ever written on religion. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. Like Pratchett's idea of what religion is is so real. Like it is it's completely fantasy, but on the other hand, it is so true and it's so real. Um, that is that is also a great book. Okay, uh, that that was. Uh, what's your favorite? book i also like the expand series the first book in the expand series uh is one of my favorite books but i think i'd have to go with either the truth by pratchett or king's uh, wizard and glass right number six favorite video game and or franchise now this is very hard um because it changes a lot uh it used to be minecraft for a long time um for a very long time it was elite um, I'm Elite Dangerous. I'm kind of burned out on Elite a little bit. So if you ask me right now, um, and this is kind of easy to tell because I can, you know, I have like those digital game libraries that tell you how, how much you play, what games. Uh, if you ask me right now, it's Battletech. I love Battletech. I love strategy games and strategy games are my... Sounds weird, but then I go to like, I need to relax kind of, especially uh, turn-based strategy games where I can just, there's no pressure on me, right? If I have pressure on me through my job and what I do, if I want to relax from that, I just fire up a strategy game, something like Civilization or Battletech and I'll just, or Stellaris and I'll just putt around. Uh, I love uh, XCOM. XCOM's great, but currently it is Battletech. Um, it, I just burned out a little bit on Elite. It is very, very likely that I'll go back to Elite probably this year when the uh, Space Lex expansion comes out. And it might become, once again, my favorite game. Elite Dangerous is probably the game I've played most in my life. Um, I've played in excess of 2,000 hours uh, of Elite Dangerous. Um, so I do like that. Civilization is is one of my favorite uh, franchises. Um, although I don't think they got better after Civilization Four. That was probably my favorite game. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard. It it, it changes a lot. Um, now we can Here comes a question that I don't really know how to answer because I, it's very unspecific. Um, what's your favorite tool? Now that could of course be software but it could also be hardware yeah, like actual like tools as in screwdriver um i if it's actual like actual actual tool i would probably say a good pocket knife that's what i use most 
in my life because like every every you wouldn't believe like people were always skeptical when i was working in a company i was always carrying a pocket knife and it's kind of like in germany it's kind of you know sometimes it's just even illegal depending on what kind of place on there but it's like you're like why are you carrying a knife i'm like are you serious there's so many situations in your normal life it's just from opening letters uh to i don't know just things cutting things off things getting loose threads on your on your clothing they i mean there, there's there's so many things so that would probably be my favorite tool uh my favorite a software tool um i don't well it's that, that's not really software so i think i'll answer that uh, we'll have a question later about fav- favorite open source software i think that's pretty much the same thing because my favorite open software i think is the tool so i'm I'm gonna move on to number eight which is easy to answer who's your favorite star trek captain um (laughs) now well it's actually not that easy i think of it um there's a so there's there's two sides to this question just watching um watching him do things or who do you think would is just the best captain in general and you would like to work under? Uh, now, um, if it's the first one, just as pleasure as a viewer from watching Star Trek series, I would say it's Cisco because I he's just the, the guy who is uh, most after my own heart, who just says the things he thinks. He just beats Q in the face with his fist. Um, and he is, he just chews people out and just loses his patience and started ch- start shout, shouting at people. There's a great video on YouTube uh, called uh, Cisco shouting at everybody. It's hilarious. Somebody cut all the all those shouting scenes um, of Cisco uh, together, and it's just hilarious. Um, th- my favorite person to be working under it would probably be Janeway. Like I would most likely be love to be on her ship. Um, I like Picard. Picard is a great guy but he seems he's very um stiff and very you know he's socially he's just a difficult guy right if i were on the on the enterprise d if i was working there i'd be hanging out with Riker. right Riker is is uh, is a is a great guy and seems like to be like a great commander a great guy to be working under but also a great guy to have some fun with on off hours um which which Picard isn't, and he's also sometimes really hard to work under. Uh, Janeway is 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 just I think probably the best Starfleet captain. She is uh, she encourages people when she has to be. She's tricked when she has to be. She's a human being, and she loves coffee, which is like a bonus in my because I love coffee as much as she does. We'd be meeting every morning uh, and and begging Neelix to make more coffee. Because the replicators are off again to save power, which doesn't make sense. But I get into that when I do my Star Trek podcast, which will launch at some point. Um, yeah, so that's my favorite Star Trek captain. Uh, number nine. If you were to live in the time of the Expanse, what would what job would you want? Where would you live? Now, uh, there are many shitty jobs uh, <laughs> in the Expanse and not so many good ones. Um you know, if you live on Earth, you're happy to have a job. <laughs> um, so I think I would want Holden's job. I would I would want to have my own ship, my own gunship, presumably, uh, preferably. And that's where I would live. 
Uh, it would probably take some adjusting to live on a spaceship. Um, I think in real life I wouldn't be a good astronaut. Uh, I would puke way too much and probably never get used to it. But that's, I think, what I would do if I was in the, ex in the expanse. Uh, if I couldn't choose, I'd probably just be a belter living on some rock someplace. Um, yeah. Well, I would be like maybe, you know, they have the, their, their media is very much like uh, podcasting has taken over and everybody has their own feeds is what they call it, um, which I like about that. I like that about the expanse. Um, maybe I would just be a journalist in air quotes, you know, whatever a journalist is back in the future, but basically just a podcaster. And I would, uh, would rant, I'd be a belter and rant about the oppression of, you know, Mars and Earth and Evazarala, the old bitch. <laughs> all the time uh, number 10 do you still talk to Dan from Linux Outlaws now um, I have to preface this a bit because uh, you have to understand that if you do if you do a podcast with somebody like I did with Dan for seven years um, you have a very special relationship um, you are friends but you're also not talking as much with them of the podcast than you would be if they just were your mate um, and I'm not the only one. If you listen to podcasters, uh, sometimes if they talk shop about how they do their show, and, you know, it's a show with, like, especially two people, um, this will come up. Uh, you know, uh, I think Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak are like this. They're even straight. I think they don't even talk off the air. You know, I did talk with Dan. Usually we just, you know, over social media, right, over Twitter or back in the day on, uh, on Identica, we would just uh, talk to each other. Um, but, like, even when we were doing the show, someone could say at the best of times, uh, we weren't talking much because we would uh, we, we would prefer to talk on the show. That's why we did the show. Um, and ever since we never, uh, we stopped doing the podcast, uh, we, we talk even less. Um, it's not because we don't like each other. It's just, I think our life situations, uh, when we stopped the show, I was getting very, very, very busy at work. And I had very little time um, to do anything. Um, I think Dan himself has had, you know, he's, he had serious health issues for a while um, and st he still has health issues, I've, I think. Um, he's blogging about this uh, once in a while. And um, he's just, like, we just didn't, didn't talk much more. It's not that we just had a falling out or anything. Um, it was just like... Um, and an aspect of this is probably also, if I think about it, because we, you know, we would just talk on on social media, on Twitter, and whatever, you know, identicastatus.net. And because that whole ecosystem has changed so much, and there's a lot more shouting going on, and a lot more discussions, and less just like friendly hanging out, um, that has gone away, I think, for both of us. And so that's, yeah. But once in a while, I'll, 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 I tend to hit him up. Of course, it was kind of special last year as well uh, with shit going on. And uh, it's always... But yes, so the answer would be yes. I still talk to Dan. But uh, we always talked less of the air than you would uh, probably expect. Um, question 11. So halfway now. What's your favorite free and open source software? Um now, if I look at, you know, it's, it's things come and go. But if I looked at what over the last 20 years, maybe I've been 
that I've been using open source software, I've been using the most, um, and it's it's Git. Uh, Git, I use Git every day. Um, I'm not a programmer. I use it for my writing uh, to track changes and um, yeah, and to you know, be able to roll back things. Um, I do use it for other projects, uh, for the websites I'm doing, for this show, for my own website, uh, fab.industries. And so, yeah, so it, it would probably be Git. It's funny because, you know, favorite implies that you really like using it. And Git is just the thing that I use. It's just a tool. Right? It's not one that I get a lot of joy out of because that's not what it's for. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, what that, I mean, one, one, one of the tools has been recently using a lot, which is a great open source tool is OBS, uh, open broadcasting system. Which is open source, which is the best best software to to to, stru- to do streaming period, and that is great. Um, so yeah, but I I think it would be good. Uh, honorary mention, of course, to Linux because I use Linux a lot, and it's the base for a lot of other things I do, a lot of other open source software I use, and um, yeah, I mean Linux is Linux is Linux. It's a it's it's not so much a tool or anything. It's more like a it's a it's a phenomenon, really. Um, it what what Linux has done, uh, not only to the operating system space, but also just to open source in general, uh, cannot be understated. So pretty much anything that Linux Torvalds ever did, Git and Linux, <laughs> my favorite uh, open source tools. Um, what's your number twelve? What's your favorite controversy slash news in this area? So open source. This could be from LO time or since. Um, hmm. That is actually, that's just, I covered so much news in my day. Um, I mean, probably, this is later, right? So probably IBM buying Red Hat. I'm just, <laughs> I have many friends uh, work at Red Hat or are tangentially connected to Red Hat, just seeing what that did to their brains because they didn't know. You know, they kept this, like, secret from high people within Red Hat as far as I can understand. Like, a lot of people didn't know. And when that news came out, they were just, like, for a few days. But you could, you like, I was texting with a lot of people and you could tell, like, their brains were completely scrambled. Um, that was fun. Uh, but, you know, f- favorite... I mean, it's... Uh, when when he was still doing it, uh, Linus uh, just um, shouting at people, uh, famously insulting NVIDIA developers, uh, OpenBSD developers. He always spoke from my heart. I, I, I like him for that. Um, I understand that he's not doing this anymore in this uh, cancel culture age, but I've always respected him for just yelling at people. So I I love that. Question 13. What is your favorite non-digital game? Um, that's an easy answer, Magic the Gathering. I mean, that's also a digital game, but it's first of a non-digital game. I love that game. Um, I mean, I don't play non-digital games a lot because I'm a nerd and I stay at home, which has nothing to do with the pandemic. I just stay at home anyway. And I've always done that. And uh, I play many more. I play games digitally, like over the internet with people generally. Um, but 
honorary mention to uh, Diplomacy, which I uh, haven't played in a long time. I used to play back in the day. I love that game. That's very like if you're interested in history, politics, you study politics. That's a favorite game for you. It's very very hard to get a game going. Uh, it's a very long game, and it's uh, it uh, people will get insulted, and they will uh, will. I've seen friendships break over this game. I think everybody has who plays it. Uh, but it is, yeah. I mean, that's one of the factors that just shows you how good of a game it is. But it has to be Magic the Gathering. Uh, people keep saying this, and Magic people keep saying that, but I think Magic the Gathering is the best game there is, just because it's um, it keeps changing every few months and still stays true to itself, and it's been doing that for like 25 years. So it's it's uh, it's ridiculously good and also ridiculously uh, frustrating sometimes, um, but that you know that's what games good games are. I, I feel are all like that, especially non digital games. Um, question fourteen. Well, first of all, more coffee. There's coffee in that nebula. Right, I just have to go. I have to reach. I have to reach more coffee. Um, question 14 do you and Katie still play games together and if so what both digital and non-digital so Katie's my wife uh, when we were students we used to play World of Warcraft together in the same room and then uh, chat on um, in-game chat like it's your turn to make coffee <laughs> um, usually no we don't do this often uh, which mostly has to do with us being both very very busy uh, both working a lot and also having quite different sleep rhythms. Uh, she gets up early, uh, works best in the morning and goes to bed early. I get up very late, um, work best in the afternoon and stay up late. Um, so there is in a normal day, uh, we actually don't see uh, each other that much, especially now that I'm just working from home and, you know, she's, she's, she's in the lab or in the hospital or whatever. Um, so um and if we do we usually don't play games together we watch we will watch uh uh movies or uh tv shows together and we'll just spend time together and do do things cooking you know i don't know going somewhere going shopping walking someplace uh, just these kind of things um so if we digital games we've played uh we we did play minecraft we do play minecraft uh, now and again and um, non-digital would probably be game uh, Cards Against Humanity. Um, we both love that. Katie adores that game. And she loves it very much. Which is interesting because people who only know me uh, and know me from my, you know, my podcast think I'm the guy who's swearing a lot and... Uh, and extremely controversial, but Katie delights. This probably why we like each other. Um, uh, she delights in this kind of thing as well. And also, we have friends. Like, like if we have friends and we stay friends with these people, they need to be. They need to. So the kind of humor you uh, develop together when you're playing um, Cards Against Humanity. Like, if people cannot stand that and they're offended, they will not stay our friends. I mean, just because of me and the things I say, <laughs> if anything. But Katie also just detests people like that. Um, so, you know, we have good friends that um, 
uh, where uh, one one uh, the the guy uh, in the relationship recently had uh, had a um, or oh, it's it's been I think two years ago now, but had a diagnosis of bladder cancer and he's just a bit older than me, which is like horrible. And he's going to do chemo, chemo therapy and that. And we were visiting them. We were playing cards against humanity. And literally like we, we like the first round we're playing. Um, I think Katie had like, like the option to make a really, really good joke about cancer. And she didn't even like really think about it. She just made it, and we, we, all of us, including him, nearly fell off our chairs laughing because it was it was a funny combination of cards, but it was so much more funny because he was going through it right now, and it was so shit. Um, and I mean, we were there, there to kind of distract him, but still, it was kind of like that. That was, um, you know, and and we we love. The, the, the people who stay friends with us they need to be able to have that kind of humor so so we play that that's what we play with our friends and uh probably a game we play together uh most um usually when friends come over we'll play a few rounds uh, cards against humanity we've got some you know all these extensions it's 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 really funny sometimes i have to explain the nerdier bits uh explain to people who elon musk is or whatever but yeah uh, if Yevgeny Kuznetsov in Twitch chat, I'm recording this live on Twitch, uh, of course, as I do these days, says, happy anniversary, man. Had to register on Twitch today just to say this. Yevgeny, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That is awesome. <laughs> um, Real Funky Duck says, I can't speak for all fellow cancer survivors, but it's a relief when people don't get all awkward about it. Yeah, so this, you know, this is the, this is what we do, right? We are, that's, yeah, it's 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 shit. But also, Katie works in a hospital. You know, this is also where my um, where my uh, my stance on uh, COVID comes from, which is I feel like more realistic than other people's. But also, like um, offends people um, because we usually we tend to uh, lots of our friends are biologists and, and doctors and stuff, and people like that are just more realistic about these things, right? We all get diseases and some of them are horrible and uh, we all die at some point and some of us die earlier than later and it just doesn't help if you're just um if you're pushing that away right if you're trying to ignore that also doesn't help if you just go oh everybody feels feels like if everybody just says oh i feel so bad for you which is like no you really don't actually you're happy that you don't have this terrible disease and if you can say that and your friends you, you can acknowledge that that is i mean that's human nature right uh, there's nothing bad that's just how people feel and it's, if you admit it, it just gets better um so yeah um but suffice it to say when we have friends over there if somebody was was gonna listen in on the conversation sometimes some people would be very 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 shocked shocked probably not you guys listen to this podcast because you know me a little bit and the things i say but yeah um yevgeny says you know i'm a long time fan i know you've been you've been there practically forever i uh i appreciate it very much anyway let's move on so that was question uh, 14, uh, let's move on to 15. How did you get involved in starting Oc Camp? Uh, now, that's pretty easy. And as a story, uh, a lot of people know, and we've we talked about on LO, um, when we were doing Linux Outlaws, at the time, the um, the most listened to Linux podcast in the world was a podcast called like, Radio from the UK. And then, obviously, my co-host being based in the UK, 
um, we were both listening to it, and um, they had this live show, uh, Luck Radio Live, and we would go there. And I think we went to one, and I think this was Luck Radio two thousand nine, and I think they announced uh, that year that the next one would be the last one, and. Um, so after the show, we got together because people were like really sad that this event was going to end. And we got together with the guys from uh, back in the day. It was called the Ubuntu UK podcast. I think now it's called, it's called the Ubuntu podcast. And uh, we were, so Linux Outlaws and Ubuntu UK were both like the up and coming podcasts. I mean, there was also a Linux Action Show, but we were like the European contingent, right? And uh, we were interested in keeping the event alive, but we neither of us uh, said like we can do it that on our own. So we pulled resources and decided that next year, when like radio, it was always like a two-day event, and they said they're just going to do a one-day event. And we didn't. We did the first OC camp on the day afterwards. Uh, also in Wolverhampton, because Luck Radio Life was always in Wolverhampton, in the middle of nowhere, in the Midlands, in the UK, because that's where the guys were from. Uh, and so we uh, tacked our event on, and we said uh, to minimize, the, they organized everything. They had all this huge, uh, all this shit they had to do. And we were like, we can't, we can't really do that. What we're going to do is we're going to make it more of a bar camp style event, which uh, was just, these were just starting up back then as well. And... Um, so uh yeah that 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 became Oc camp uh, one of the things i named i came up with the name uh, just like ct uplink the podcast uh everybody hated the name at first it's just like ct uplink and then nobody could think of a better idea and uh thus Oc camp was born and then i can uh, quickly also answer question uh, 16 do you plan to attend in future if when they start back up again uh, of course i do um, I was at the last up camp, uh, 2019, um, before the pandemic hit and, uh, the camp 2020, of course, didn't happen. I didn't go for quite a while because I was just too busy. I was so busy and I was basically so, uh, you know, I was working at Heiser and I was covering open source and, um, to go to our camp. First of all, I would have had to pay for the flight and everything, but you know, I did that before as well. But you know, basically, I would have taken time off, and I didn't have, have limit, limited free time. Uh, you know, subtracting. So if you subtract like the holidays when you go to your parents, right? I had limited free time to go on holiday with Katie, and then also limited money to pay pay for flights. And at at some point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't like take time off and go to an event that I would usually go be paid to go to and cover and do that on my free time and have that subtracted from the holidays I can have with my wife. That, that's the only reason I ever stopped going. Uh, and then, you know, when I became a freelancer and more time available, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to our camp again. I was planning to go to every every other our camp and then, you know, every next our camp and then the pandemic hit. So if they started back up again and... If I'm able to go there, like without, you know, we'll have to see. Like if it's in the UK and the UK uh, is becoming more of a police state than it has ever been, and you'll be like forced vaccinated at the border, I'll think about it, right? Um, if I get if I get vaccinated against this, I will do that on my own free will, um, and um, we'll, we'll see. We'll you know we'll see. But I I, I plan to 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 attend uh, the next one. 
now uh question 17 now oh, this is this is gonna be a hard one uh who was your favorite teacher and why um i'll have to preface this with the saying that i did not enjoy my time in school um i mean i learned a lot there but i was always like you know First of all, I was a troublemaker, so I was uh, tend to disagree with the teachers. What a surprise, right? I, I was like this ever since I was a kid. It's like my parents raised me this way. Uh, so I was, was never really popular with most teachers. Even though I think I was pretty intelligent, I was probably always like in the top level of our, of my class. Not not so much also with the like my my grades uh, tended to lag behind sometimes but mostly because i disagreed with the teacher um hit hit the shock button says real funky duck and he is completely right i was i i tended to disagree with teachers <gasps> um yeah so uh that's also why my grades uh I, I can remember I was in my final year in high school when you're preparing for this uh, Abitur, it's called in Germany, like your, your high school diploma. And, you know, I was, I came back from Australia. I was, re I was, you know, I, I don't want, I, I'm usually, I think I'm, I'm usually a pretty humble guy. I'm not kind of praising myself much, but I was, I was definitely a lot better than any other person in my class in English. Like in some areas I was better than the teacher. And we had this, so I'm writing my first, so in this final year, right, I'm writing my first test in English and I get it back from my English teacher and she's, um, uh, I, I had to laugh. In hindsight, I have to laugh because it's so much data. You know, data in Star Trek doesn't use contractions. And she was like, if you're writing a test, you can't use, if you submit like writing in school, you can't use contractions like don't, you'd, you'll, like that is, against the rules right and i'm like i get i take the test i'm like we have to talk about this right and and i i think it escalated so much that actually my parents had to come to school we had to have this this council and we're like talking with people i'm like i'm i'm just back from australia i came back from australia uh a year ago whatever a year and a half ago and i'm like I have, I in Australia, I finished my Australian high school diploma. I have a Queensland certificate of education, whatever the equivalent was back then, right? And I had like a, a I, th I think I had an A minus or like equivalent to a B plus in English, right? In Australia. And I'm like, I've written a final exam in Australia in English and used construct contractions there and they didn't mark that up as a mistake. And you're telling me, this is a mistake in your eyes. And I basically said, you're an idiot. And I think she knew she was wrong, but it's like one of the teacher things where you then have to stick to your... And my parents, they, they were going nuts as well. They were both teachers and it's just like... So I got into, I got marked down a lot after that in English. And actually, I think I have a B, maybe even a B minus in English in my final... I, I, was, I was so much better than everybody else. Uh, it's unbelievable. I think I was better than the teacher, but you know what? What can you do? Um, so I had a, a rough, rough time in school. I was I was bullied mercilessly. Um, so I, I like my before I went to Australia. My my yeah, maybe so I went in in year we had thirteen years in high school. Uh, we had thirteen years of school in Germany back then, and in year eleven I went for a year to Australia, and all the years before that were 
were just rough and like one of the reasons i like star trek is because after school i would go home uh, i would quickly do all my homework and then i would just watch star trek and forget the rest and like pretend i live on a starship um you know i'd, I'd stay at my grandmother's because my parents were, were working and i would just, you know watch star trek and so i had a really tough time in school when i came back from australia i i, I basically found myself in australia i found my i found my my self-esteem and I just nobody could do anything to me then because I had I had had really good year and I knew the problem wasn't me the problem was other people and I knew how to respond to other people and I was just basically just flipping the bird to the people who were bullying me and I, nobody could touch me anymore. Um, but yeah, so so I don't know. Um, I did have a good German teacher, uh, Herr Tenter, uh, who uh, who uh, encouraged me and encouraged my writing. Uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why I am, I am a writer right now. Um, my first English teacher, uh, Herr Cesar, <laughs> Mr. Cesar, um, was very strict. But, and I don't think I really liked him back in the, but this is one of the hindsight things. I think he laid the groundwork uh, to me being able to speak English as well and, and, and developing a love for the language at some point. Um, whereas my, my, my first French teacher never managed to, so I, I, I was never good at French. So I think I owe him a lot. But I th my favorite teacher in high school uh, was actually... Um, so I'm, I'm going all the German uh, teachers here because that's kind of my school. I'm, I'll have to do a separate section for Australia in a, in a bit. But um, my favorite teacher in school was probably, I didn't even have him as a teacher because I'm not baptized. And in German, German schools, you either have Catholic um, religious education or Protestant. And or you can opt out. You can opt out. Your, like in high school, your, your kid can opt out if, if the parents want that. And I was opted out because I... Yeah. I'm not a religious person, um, but there was a religious, uh, a religion teacher uh, that who also taught history. Which my wife had him in history. She she hated the guy. I loved him. He was amazing. So I went in high school. I went on after after I came back from Australia. He he always organized these trips like with students, and. I wasn't a student, but other people could go too. I always went with him and on like these trips. And he was the he was the most amazing guy. He was so funny. I think he was very very quirky, really weird guy. But he was he, he had an historical knowledge. I mean, it was always tinted like with 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 a religious view. He knew a lot about the middle Middle Ages, and that was kind of a special thing. Um, Hildegard von Bingen. He loved Hildegard von Bingen. Uh, but he was he was such a funny guy. So we'd go like uh, we'd go like on these excursions to Bavaria and like look at you know like um, abbeys and stuff. You know we went to this abbey where the name of the rose was filmed and stuff like that. And he would he would always try to to scam him himself in for free. He would always go like I'm a teacher. These are my students. Please let us. Go. And then he would get in for free. And then he would even scam the cafeteria out of like giving us all free food. So amazing. I remember this one Abbey where he couldn't manage to get us in for free. They just wanted to give him rebated tickets. And he was like, no, I'm going to get in for free. And we left and we went around the, the grounds of the Abbey until he found like a, they were doing like renovation work. And so he, we, we went through the building site and into some they had 
there was like a hole in the wall where they were repairing the wall. We went in and then like we were in there. <laughs> we went in there and then you could go where everybody else was where you had to pay, right? And we, we were just in there for free and following the people around and giving tours. And then at the end, we just went out the exit. <laughs> Oh, he was such a freaky guy. He would always like he was a Catholic. Uh, he taught Catholic religion. He had a disdain for Protestants. He would always like knock their churches. And, like, oh, you could tell this. So you can't tell this is a Protestant church, church because Protestant churches look like shit. Except, of course, the ones they stole from the Catholics back in the you know with Luther and the whole thing. Um, so this one used. You can tell this is actually a good-looking Protestant church because this one used to be Catholic. And he would always like he his name was Rickers Herr Rickers, uh, Mister Rickers. He would always go um, like we'd be in this church and there was like this this pamphlets and like you know things you could fill out on the altar right altar right. And he was like um, stealing a pen and then somebody said Mister Rickers you can't steal a pen in a church. You're you're like a, a you're a religion teacher. What what are you doing? He's like this is a Protestant church. I can do whatever I want. It just doesn't count. Like, God doesn't care. <laughs> like, you don't steal anything in a Catholic church. But these guys, they believed the whole... <laughs> he was so funny. He, he had this old Golf Golf uh, uh, Series 4 model. And he would, <laughs> on, on, on the autobahn, like when you drove up a hill, right? He'd drive up the hill, and then at the top of the hill, he would turn the engine off to save petrol. And then roll for like two kilometers on the German autobahn. And the car would get slower and slower. And he would do this like when it was getting dark, right? And the, the lights were turning off. And we're like, you can't do this. You're not allowed to do it. And like the 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 power steering would go off, and the 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 brake assist would be off because the key was just rolling down. Uh, the guy was so funny. He was probably my favorite teacher. But you know, all of my really favorite teachers were were in Australia. Um, I I had a hell of a time in Australia in school. Uh, I loved all my teachers. I went to uh, James Nash State High School in Gympie. Truth more precious than gold. School motto. Um, for a year i loved all my teachers there they were amazing um they just taught me everything that they, they, they taught me how to be uh confident in myself um how to give public speeches is probably the reason why i can do podcasts now um they were just amazing i mean i even loved uh phys ed like physical education which was i was never a fan of uh, I even love trying to play cricket. Uh, we played golf because the golf course was next door. The school was just next door to the golf course, so we had golf in phys ed. Um, I had a really good biology teacher, um, even though I had to cut out my rat and really didn't like that. Uh, but uh, she was great. Uh, they were all all amazing. Like So there's like this time when um, like my host mother... So I had this offer to go to Longreach, which is in the middle of nowhere. So in Queensland, Queensland is a huge state in Australia where everybody lives on the coast. And if you're a tourist, you go up the coast, right? And Gympie is at Brisbane, and you go north and go past Gympie. Bruce Highway, highway number one, uh, up the coast. That's where everybody goes. And then if you go at, uh, I think, uh, on in you know you reach no, uh, Rockhampton, and you go... Um, you just go inland pretty much as far as you can in this huge state. There's a 
town called Longreach, which is in the middle of nowhere. It's really hot there. Uh, and it's just, it's ridiculously out of place. And I had the ability to go there because my host mother was going there, but we'd be gone for like four weeks, right? You'd go there, stay there with people, uh, uh, you know, see the area and then go back. And the drive even was like, it took like, I don't know, days, like in her old car. Uh, so she rang up the headmaster of the school and was like, okay, so, you know, Fabian, you know, Fab, our exchange student, and we have this, you know, obviously want him to see the country and we have this, uh, this thing where we can go to Longreach. Um, and she wasn't even finished asking him if I could go. He was like, sure, yeah, go. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's much more important that you see the country and you meet people than you'd be like here in school for four weeks, right? And you're so, I mean, you're pretty smart. You can, you can catch up on that. Like, it was so amazing. That is so different than a German high school headmaster. It is, it is such a contrast. I was just like fucking blew my mind. I, I love that school. That was uh, good times. Anyway, I've spent a lot. Uh, of time answering this question. Um, so that was number 17. Uh, let's lubricate my voice here a little bit more. Uh, question number 18. If you had a time machine that could take you to any time and event in the past, where would you go and what would you see? Rules, you won't be able to change the course of history. <laughs> Temporal directive. And you only have 30 minutes at the past event. So I'm really conflicted with that because I love history, right? I'm a his, history teacher, uh, student. So I'm, I'm like, uh, what would you want to see? Like, would you would you like to see a, a, a nice event or like a, just an amazing event or maybe just something that that just changed the course of history? Um, and there's so many things, you know, like just f stuff in the French Revolution, Napoleonic Wars, right? Probably a lot of this would probably be horrible. Um, I don't know. See, see, like one of these defining ev events in the Wild West, you know, the shootout at the OK Corral, something like that. Um, I don't know, right? It. I mean, if we, if we're talking, like, would you like to see it because it is nice, or just because it was like a defining event of things you care about in history? Like, there would be a, a significant, um question of like being there in a like a key moment in world war ii or when you know in the beer hall putsch or when hitler rose to power um but i think i'd have to be something with bismarck i admire this is my favorite uh topic in in history and i admire the man a lot and i i think i would just choose a like one of his best speeches and i would just like to li to sit probably back then in the, in the Prussian in the in, uh, you know parliament or in the Bundestag in Fra Frankfurt and just sit there and listen to him speak because the guy is reported to be such a good public speaker that I, I'd love to see that um, yeah I don't know that's a, that's a really hard one I don't I don't even know if I can answer that there's so many, many things I would want to see. And lots of those that take more than 30 minutes. Really hard to find actually actual 30 minutes um, that you'd want to see. You know, maybe maybe Armstrong putting his foot on the moon. That would be nice. Especially if you could actually be there, right? If you're like uncorporeal or something, you could just stand on the moon without a spacesuit and just, or with a spacesuit. But, you know, 
or just the landing just witness the landing that that would be amazing you know i, I cried when i this uh, uh, apollo 11 movie uh this documentary i watched that in the cinema the f uh, a year ago two years ago that was uh, two years ago I think that was such a great movie I, I, I cried um, Free the Funky Duck you can possess Buzz Aldrin yeah that would be great but it'd also be great to possess like maybe Armstrong it's just Buzz Aldrin is the one you would want to see like he's the guy you would want to see in action he's the real hero he's just a kick ass dude um, right um, number 19 would you ever go back to school as in uni college business school like to the Danish School of Media and Journalism, I think uh, uh, Mike asked this question. Uh, why or why not? Bonus question, can real journalism really be taught? So the first, I think there are several questions in here. The first question is, would you ever go back to school? Um, I would like, I would want to, like I would, would like, love to go back to university and just have some more history lessons with some some great historian. Uh, but that would um, basically uh, presuppose that it would be like in my time when I was at university, I would just love to spend more time there. Um, I don't really like today's university, uh, the way they change the system, you know, that you have a very strict curriculum. It's much more like like in the US. Um, I would love to be back in the day when I, when I was studying history and you just have these history professors and they would just expose wisdom. <laughs> Right, I wouldn't care if you if you actually wrote anything down. If you actually, you know, if you if you failed your exams, that you know, you just failed, right? You were out of there. They didn't didn't care. They they just wanted to stand there and expose wisdom and discuss stuff with people. Uh, was a very different time when you could still say things and uh, not be like cancelled. Um, so that that's the first part of the question. Um, I would never go to J school. And I don't think, uh, as Mike puts it, real journalism can be taught. Um, I think uh, journalism schools are bullshit. Um, I think, look, if you ask me, journalism is a craft. It is very much like uh, being an engineer or pretty much being like a like a like somebody who works with their hand. Um, you learn this on the job. And you can best learn this on the job. It's, um, it is something to learn it at university. And then you go to work at your first newspaper and you're just overwhelmed by the amount of text you have to write, the amount of people yelling at you from all directions. Your, your editor is saying this, your reader is saying the other thing. Uh, and then something happens and the world goes crazy and you have to cover it. And that is something that you can't learn in university. You have to be there. And my time at the age, uh, my first job as a journalist was perfect for that. I was in a, I was completely helpless in a different city with people I didn't know I'd applied over the internet. I had like this strict uh, editor-in-chief who would throw things at me, but also was a really fun guy. Uh, he'd buy a Nerf gun and shoot at us and then we'd all like buy Nerf guns and shoot back and it was just hilarious. And I learned so much uh, like that you can't learn this kind of shit. You learn that under pressure. You don't learn that in university. Um, and And I think... If you, I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to university if you want to become a journalist. I think that is essential. I think you have to go to university, do something else. You know, I studied history, politics, and English. Something. You know, you can do biology, you can do math, does physics, doesn't matter. Um, do something. Engineering. Um, you know, just, just learn about the subject you want to write about later and get knowledge. That is the important thing. You need knowledge. You need to know 
um, like if you don't write about something, you can write about it best if you. Um, so to be a good journalist, if you if you know if you let let's let's say you want to write about computers, um, so if you'd studied information technology or whatever, you know, like informatics called Germany, like some IT thing, right? If you're a programmer, if you learn to be a programmer, you want to write about that. That's perfect because you know almost as much about it the topic as the people are doing it and that is critical and if you don't have that from university then you have to learn that like you'll have to you know aside from learning how to be journalist you'll have to get that knowledge at the same time which is hard which i've done with security for example right i've i've, I've had to like kind of get all the knowledge there on the side um and you can do it but it's better if you have a head start so that that that's good you learn you and you'll of course You'll have to have a knack for writing, which is, I feel like something you also can't really learn. I mean, you can learn all the, uh, all the, the techniques, but that still doesn't mean that you're going to be a good writer, right? So, for example, um, I, I've, I've, I know a lot of journalists. I know a lot of journalists who went to J school, and there are people who went to university, and went to journalism school, and they learned writing at university right and then they sit somewhere and they have writer's block i haven't had writer's block ever right maybe back in school but ever since i've become a professional i haven't had writer's block and one of the reasons is like my first job i was thrown into a shark pit and people yelled at me to write and you just had to write you just couldn't sit there oh i don't know how to begin this you just start right and and you can learn everything you can learn all the techniques, and if you still sit there and get writer's block, you're shit, right? Or you can just just copy. Um, you can copy all these te- these techniques and style and styles, and never develop your own style. It's kind of like learning painting and just, you know, perfectly copying. I don't know, Picasso style or Bob Ross's style or whatever, but never having any real um, intuition about it and any real. Um, how would you what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, your own your own putting your own persona persona in it. Um so then you have to have that. And I don't think you can learn that. You can discover that you have it, I feel. Um so I, I don't think you can teach that. I think also one thing you need to learn critically at university is well to, to think critically and to, to learn how science works. Um, you need to know. So I learned this in in history and politics, which is like you usually don't learn that there. It's humanities you don't learn. Like if you study biology or physics, you will learn how science works because you will do it right. You will you will write research papers and you know how you will learn how they're published. You need to know that, and that is not taught at J school. I don't know a single journalist, and I know quite a lot. Um, like from everybody I know, no personally, no no by acquaintance or whatever. Um, Who's who, who's learned how they they all don't understand how science works if if they went to J school they they don't they don't understand how how papers are published how scientific consensus is built what it means uh, you know that's all the stuff I always learned about on this show so um, I don't think you can you can you can learn that at J school um, that's not to say that maybe in the future there will be a, a, a courses at university that uh, where you could learn this. Um, but it has to be um, 
So what I don't so it it would have to be something like that you have to teach you the right thing and then you'd have to have a a practical program. You know, if you if you um if you go to university and become a doctor, right? You learn all this shit and then you go for a year and you work at a hospital and you go through the whole go to every single uh station in the hospital, every single ward and you you um you just gather experience as a doctor. And only then can you graduate. And it had to be. It would have to be something like that. This journalist. I don't think. I don't understand how you can graduate as a journalist and you've never worked at like a at a newspaper, or at a magazine, or at a you know not really not for at least a year or something like that. I don't understand that. So I don't. No, the answer is no. No, real journalism can probably well it can never be taught in a uh, in a in a university in this in this style right in this passive style you'd have to do it it's 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 more a craft than an art form i would say 20 you get to do one just one of any of your current or past podcasts video logs newsletters or blogs it will pay for your living but you can do you can only do that thing for the rest of your professional career which one do you choose and why is it geek news radio no i'm kidding you must Make and explain your choice without me influence my influencing you. I think that was Mike as well. Um, I would not want this to happen. The the, the 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 biggest reason why I quit my job and my secure employment on my own, uh, to the amazement of many of my colleagues. Uh, is that I do not want this to happen. Uh, I realized I want the freedom in my life to do what I think is important. That's why we stopped doing Linux Outlaws, not because we fell out or we, not because of any other reason. We both wanted to move on. Dan wanted to move on and we got bored by the topic. And Geek News Radio is a different uh, reason I said that show stopped because it was just hard to organize to get co-hosts on and I just realized if I do my own podcast on my own, it's, a lot easier for me it's a lot it's more work but it's also easier for me to uh to, to get it done right to schedule it's just my schedule i have to look after uh, you know um so i would not want to do a thing for the rest of my life even if it paid me well um that is i specifically do not want to do that so i'd, I'd have to hack the answer to this question and say um it would probably be my blog or like my my newsletter because it would have to be something that I could change in the next like decades to my taste. Like something that is not like the private citizen, which is a show about, you know, technology, privacy, politics. Like if I ever get bored of that, I'll stop doing it. That's the whole idea. That's I don't want to be forced to do something that I don't want to do uh, just to make make money. I don't I don't want to do that. It, I mean I could presumably come in get into a situation like this in the future but i don't want to um you see that a lot with like especially like youtubers or whatever they get like this this niche and they are very successful all of a sudden and then they make a lot of money maybe even millions of euros um but at some point you can see they'll have to keep doing it to make that money but their their heart's not in it really anymore and they would love to do something else sometimes they try and then they fail and they always have to go back to that one channel and uh, it kills your soul um, and that's I think also what makes people burn out I've, I've never burned out I've, I'm not a guy I think who gets burned out 
um, I work too much and I sometimes work uh, in ways that is too much that is unhealthy, uh, but I don't get burned out because I if if some if there was something I was doing that was burning me out, I would just quit. You know, just just how I quit my job. Um, I think people would have gone gotten burned out in that if they just stayed, you know, like not done what I done, but like stayed because they wanted that safe employment and that <clears throat> save money, save money. But then at some point they get burned out, and I I think I just quit before I uh, burn out on something. I quit it, I stop it. That's why I do so many things. That's why I throw throw things at the wall, try newsletters, try different podcasts, and you know, I I, I like to keep moving. I like to keep. Probably the main reason why I love to be a journalist is that no other job in the world gives you the chance to look at new stuff every day, to learn new stuff. And and you have to. You can never – you will be a shit journalist if you just sit there and you're just like, you know, I've seen that so much. Like I'm the Linux guy for this magazine and I'll stay that for the next 30 years. And I'll do the same – basically the same article over and over and over again. That is death. That is soul death to me. That is that is the, the that is hell. That's literally the definition of hell. Um, I'd I'd rather have tea with Hitler in a in a uh, bath of lava every day than just doing that same job every every day and writing the same article every week again and again and again and again. That is horrible. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that, so I'll, I'll I'll have to hack it and pick and pick something that that uh, that will give me the ability to do whatever I want. Which which probably would have been Geek News Radio. That was kind of that podcast, but uh, that would also mean I'd have to get other. That was always I wanted that to be a roundtable show. Never really worked out, but that just that, that project has failed. It was fun, but uh structurally that project just failed so it's probably not going to be news race probably would be my newsletter which which would have a chance maybe of at some point making myself money and then i would just set it up in a way that i can just write about whatever i want and i can do that to, to the end of my days because then i just can just keep moving and learn new things right work myself into new topics every time find new things i'm interested interested about um that's what I want to do for the rest of my life, and I probably I'm not one of these guys who will uh, will retire at some point. I feel like I'm I'm one of these typical journalists who who loves being a journalist and will keep doing that, right? If I if I'd had stayed at a uh, at a publishing uh, company and you know I'd, I'd then retired with 65 years as is normal in Germany, I would have kept writing, right, on my blog or whatever, and I, I will do that. I feel. You know, I'll, I'll be like John C. Dvorak, who's just quit all his jobs and now doing a podcast, but he's still like, he's still writing. And he's, how old is Dvorak now? I have to look this up now. Don't want to miss it. Uh, miss. What's the word I'm looking for? And don't want to say any wrong things about him. He was born in 1953. Uh, 1953. Two, 1952 uh, so he's like either 69 or uh, 68 or 69 yeah so I'd be like that I'd be like basically retired but still working that's pretty much I think what I'll do I'll be writing until the day I keel over uh, whenever that is might be much earlier than Dvorak <laughs> um, okay two questions left uh, question 21 which news scoop are you most proud of 
Um, I, 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 I never really had any. I'm not like a, I'm not like one of those journalists. Um, right? E either so to get a real scoop, you either have to be lucky, or you have to be known for already having had a scoop, and then you're known, and then people give you that information. Um, it just it, it, it's I think it's a myth that it happens because you just like do. Uh, you're really good at your job. Although, you know, there, there are, you know, I, I mean, Snowden picked Greenwald because he liked his writing and he'd been writing for years about these topics. So sometimes it, it's not luck. It comes to you because of your work. Uh, and that might happen to me at one point when I'm really, really lucky. But I don't, I'm not like one of these scoop guys. I am, I'm a guy who, like my thing is, I, maybe I'm not the first to write about something. I uh, seldom am. Um, never really. Um, I am um, I'm somebody who looks at things other people write and then sits down and 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 thinks about this and and does better research and then writes it properly. Um, I'm I'm proud about the fact that I wrote uh, the like my, the, the the first. So I was a few months uh, at Heise writing for CT, uh, Europe's biggest IT uh, magazine, and uh, I the first real big story, the first real story I did was a cover story explaining what Bitcoin was in 2013. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that, getting that done, uh, even though I'd never done print journalism before, uh, never really worked with these people before. Um, Uh, that that was great, you know. In, as my time in my time as freelancer, just like writing that one one off column on my blog, which changed the uh, the tax uh, is, is now changing tax software in Germany because Katie had complained to me that you know she she does our taxes and she's referred to as the man because the person uh, filing the taxes always assumed to be a man, and I've just off the cuff ranted about this in my Sunday column and. Uh, It got picked up by like 36 different newspapers and publications all over Germany. I got in the news uh, and then you now they're changing the, the text forms because of that. That was pretty cool. But, you know, it's not really, I know, it's really scoop. Um, I don't know if I ever have a, will ever have a scoop and I, I can I can live with that. Um, my goal as a journalist is to follow my own inner um so uh, the, the standards I set for myself and that I ex expect of others, and that's why I often rant about other journalists, um, to follow them as best as I can. We all make mistakes. We all we can never completely live up to our goals or our standards, but I my goal is to live up to that as much as I can. And it's also a big reason why I quit my job back in the day because I thought I can better do this on my own. Um, And with that, I think we come to the last question, question 22, which is kind of a follow-up on this one. Uh, have you ever received any information or whistleblowing material that you had to drop and not report on? If so, how difficult a decision was it? Um, personally, never. Um, if somebody leaked something to me, um, I'm, I always made it into a story. Uh, sometimes I didn't do it myself. Uh, sometimes a colleague was better placed to do that. Um, and I handed it off to somebody else. Um, so there are probably some scoops that basically were my scoops because I had uh, the thing first, but another colleague actually wrote the thing. Um, 
and you have to you know have to be okay with that um sometimes it's just another person is just better better place to do this um no i personally i always find a way uh i think there is always a way um there was a story when i was working at heiser online uh, a colleague of mine had a had a good idea to do a story and i had really nothing nothing to do with it um they had they had a great idea for a story they researched it and they found a great uh person to talk to basically a whistleblower and it would have been a great story um and it was um to do with uh basically um counterfeit uh, credit cards you know the way uh, criminals uh, carding it's called carding you know how they copy cards how they use them how they get money of it it's this fascinating story uh, and they had a what looked like a real whistleblower from that's air quotes the industry basically organized crime uh, who's gonna gonna talk to us and they killed that story because they were afraid uh, of the consequences because you're dealing with actual criminals and you know probably the mafia um and they were afraid, you know, the, the the guy who had the idea who was going to write it was like, uh, no, I have a family, I can't do this. And I think our editor-in-chief kind of dropped the story because he he, he didn't want to do it himself. And he was pro- out of respect uh, of the guy who was saying, uh, no, I, can't, I, I, won't, I won't do it either. And I offered to do the story, right? I did, um, I said, I'm, I think I'm happy to do this. I'll have to talk to my wife, uh, which was a two second uh messenger conversation was like look this is the situation uh i could do this story uh it might be dangerous for us uh would you mind to which my wife replied no go for it (laughs) and i was like yeah i'm gonna do this uh but they didn't want to want to do me to do either and that that was um that was painful. That was hard. I think that would have been a great story. I think that would have been a scoop. It would have been an amazing story uh, that would have probably uh, hit uh, to an international audience. Uh, and I don't think the risk was that high. And I also, I think, uh, if you if you're a self-respecting journalist, it's part of the job to take that risk. Um, it's you no, know, I I understand if people don't want to do that, right? If they're like, I have a family, I have children. Um, you know, the one guy we're talking about had a just had a kid. Um, I I don't fault anybody to like not do that, but you have to hand it off then to somebody, and somebody has to do the fucking story. And I think if you're a self-respecting journalist, you you say the risk be damned. This is this is part of it, um, right? If you're, uh, I don't know, is there, is there any? any equivalent uh in a, in a job let's, let's say you're a pilot right you're living with risk anyway you you have a but you're like just a normal airline pilot right but there, there's something where right? you're a really good pirate pilot and then they go like oh uh we need you and it's just it's not realistic it's like a movie script right but there's like they need that they they're fighting a huge wildfire and they need people to fly these planes and it's dangerous and they're like you're a really good pirate do it i'm a pilot and if i'm a pilot i'm living to be a pilot i just like you know yes of course it's risky but 
I mean, that's kind of what we do. And yes, of course, I'm going to do it. Or let's say, you know, you're the best. We figure out you're the best pilot. You'll have to uh, pilot the space shuttle. And of course, it's dangerous. But wouldn't you do it? Like, if you if your love for flying is then like the space shuttle, the ultimate thing you could fly. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm still a bit bitter about that. And um, it's just like that happened so long ago. Like that when I quit the company, I was presumably could have contacted the guy myself, but like that was so long ago we I'd lost all we lost all trace of the guy. So like I couldn't do that story. I would have loved to do that story. Um and you know, lived with the consequences. I don't think the the, the danger was that high. And if it was, you know, uh, come get me. <laughs> Mulon Labe, <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> uh oh, we got uh, Mike uh uh Who's, who's supplied some of these questions, uh, who is now in Discord, uh, uh, not in Discord, I'm sorry, uh, in, in Twitch chat, and is saying, uh, sorry, I'm just checking in and kind of lurking because I'm working. Lurking because I'm working. Uh, but I'm see, but it seems I'm late anyway. Look forward to hearing the full show. Happy anniversary. Thanks, thank you, Mike. Um, I'm very happy about it. Uh, yeah, I'm just through. Uh, I answered all 22nd quest- uh, 20, 22 questions. And uh, I ho- I think I spent quite a quite a lot of them I answered relatively uh, in depth. So uh, you know you knew uh, I I mean I failed to an- to to uh, introduce myself at the very beginning of the show. But if you've been listening to this podcast, you know know you now know a lot more about Fab. I mean some of this if you listen to Linux Outlaws, I've talked about a lot of these things probably uh, on other podcasts. Geek News Radio as well, the best podcast. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, um, here it is in one place. And um, that will be it for AMA. I don't know what I'm doing, like, you know, a year. If if a year from now, if the podcast still exists, we might do this again. So if you have any more questions in, in this uh, vein, uh, note them down. Or through the year, if they occur to you, you know, know that this might be a possibility that we're doing this again. This might become a fixture every year. I'll do an anniversary show. You know, it's always something you have to do for an anniversary show. I think this is quite a, not a bad idea. And, um, you know, write it down. Um, keep it in a, in a, uh, in a notebook or some, somewhere in a text file. And, uh, when I bring it up next year, you can, you can, you can, you can ask it. You can go ask, uh, that question. So, uh, I hope this was this was interesting for everybody. This was more navel gazing uh, than I'm usually used to. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, let me know. Right, contact uh, details are in the show notes. PrivateCitizen.press. Let me know uh, what you thought of this. Um, the thing that I just came came up with relatively um, quickly when I thought, oh, it might be fun to do an anniversary show. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, I've I've been boring you to death about my life for uh, long enough. So. 
So um, we won't have any feedback today, of course, uh, because, you know, th this was kind of feedback and the uh, other show was just uh, two days ago and also uh, not really, doesn't really fit. But, you know, contact me, contact details on, uh, on, the, on, the, on the site, private citizen. Dot press. Uh, speaking of contact details, there's also details about an IRC channel in there. And Evgeny just asked, uh, I've been meaning to ask, did you pull the plug on the IRC channel? Uh, I thought I'd congratulate there, but you weren't online, so I ended up registering here. I'm sorry, Evgeny. <laughs> This occurred to me like, I don't know, yesterday. Um, so I have a, like a session on a, on a server that's locked in there. And I... I, I've been very, very busy recently just writing stuff. And I've had a lot of deadlines. I've been writing print uh, stories again and print deadlines, which, ugh, pain in the butt. I was just doing a lot. Um, I completely forgot about the IC channel for a few weeks. And I think that server session has crashed. I haven't had time to log into the server and see. Uh, but I was, uh, this, this occurred to me because there's something else on the server, running on the server. And a few days ago, I got like a message that something had happened. And then I was like, oh, isn't the IRC session running on there? I'll have to check. No, I didn't pull the plug in the IRC channel. I wasn't active there for a while. That was uh, not by choice. But, you know, sometimes I have so much things running. At the same time, I try so many things. The downside sometimes is that I, uh, I just, I have limited time in the day. I mean, I'm spending, Pretty much these days, uh, uh, maybe maybe it's something very quickly worth addressing. Uh, I had I had a thought of another idea for this episode could have been like a day in the life of Fab. I think I'm going to write a blog post about that one one time. But a general day for me, right, looks like this. My wife gets up early. I usually sleep in. Uh, my alarm usually goes at nine. Um, I wake up. The first thing I do is I work. You know, go to the toilet, of course. <laughs> Then I. I I go to my desk, I sit down, I turn my PC on, and I start doing things. I read stuff, sometimes I play uh, video games, sometimes magic, I need to wake up, right? Um, then I get myself a coffee, and then I usually I start working. I usually work two hours or something, two, three hours before I even eat something. And then I eat breakfast usually really late. Uh, I work, I work, I work. Um, and then, you know, I'm usually, I don't know, at three four in the afternoon I'll, I'll i'll stop and i'll i'll do i go for a run or something do some some exercise sometimes i have to go shopping um then often i'll cook myself something um yeah and then it's like i don't know five six around that time and um sometimes with cooking i'm i'm, all, I'm only done at seven something like that and then my wife comes home uh, sometimes we eat something together you know we talk a little bit And you know this varies. I don't go 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 running every every day, and I don't have to go shopping every day. But you know, there's like this area where I have to go out or go running, or whatever. Uh, and then I don't cook myself something every every day either. Sometimes I cook for more than one day. Sometimes I order some stuff in. But anyway, um, but then I usually, I, you know, at 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 seven or something like this, I sit back down um, after two or three hours of of not having worked, and then I usually work till two, three at night um, and then go to bed. And that's my day. So basically, uh, aside from that time from those two, three hours in the middle, and then, you know, some days I do different stuff. Of course, some days I, I'm not, not, not at home uh, all day or whatever, but yeah. Um, I usually work the whole time. And of course, I'm a freelancer and, you know, work for me. Sometimes I just, you know, I'm, I've, it's so I, as I said, I don't really have writer's block. 
right? But I have this thing where I'm like, I've written a certain amount. It doesn't even have to be much. Maybe it was just hard to write. I, I wrote something and then I can't write anymore because I've already written something and then I need to do the next thing, but I need a break. I need to reset my brain. And often I play like an hour of video games. I play like uh, Magic the Gathering or play some Battletech or whatever um, and reset, completely like reset my brain. Sometimes I play video games on the side. Sometimes I write, do bookkeeping and play like Minecraft at the same time. Um, sometimes I watch some stuff uh, on TV. I watch some, you know, Netflix, Amazon. I watch some uh, something on YouTube. I listen to a podcast or whatever. So, so it's not it's not like working the whole time through. And also, like some of my working is recording a podcast, like right now. That's uh, work to me. Um, so it's not like I don't want to say I'm like the hardest working guy in the world, but I work like a lot of the time in my days. Just, just. Uh, just working and that that's just to explain that sometimes that also means i have lots of things to do i i do lots of stuff and sometimes i just forget for an ic about an ic channel for a month right sometimes i don't answer my email for three days and i'm like oh shit somebody offered me a job and i didn't take it because i'm an idiot uh happens hey that's a little bonus here that's uh that's kind of how my day works anyway let's wrap this show up i was saying i wasn't i stopped talking about myself and wrap this up very quickly uh the people who supplied these questions were either Twitch subscribers or Patreon subscribers. Uh, if you like this show and you want to keep it going, uh, consider becoming a patron. Uh, you also can, you know, a link is obviously on privatecitizen.press. Uh, you can also uh, send one-off donations to, not really donations, contributions. They're not legally donations in Germany. Um, to producers at fab.industries, producers at fab.industries via PayPal. Uh, details also in the show notes. Um, this is, as I said in the beginning, the value for value model, which basically means if you derive any value from this, think about how much, you know, what that is. Like, you know, what, what you spend on a coffee, what do, do you spend to see a movie, uh, you know, rent a movie these days, probably on a streaming service instead of going to a cinema, which nobody does anymore. But, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, think about what you can afford. If you can't afford anything, it's okay. But if you do, it's appreciated and you help to keep the show on the road. And I appreciate that a lot. And because people do that, I have to thank them now. But first off, uh, just honorary mention to Raul Kabazali, who wrote the theme tune for this podcast, which I licensed for her. It's called Acoustic Roots. And uh, I like it very much. So I would like to give him credit for that. And I have to thank ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk, a UK cloud hosting service who provide two servers uh, for me and have done since the Linux Outlaws days, which I use uh, to send you these audio files. If you go and download the podcast, then that's where you get them from. And if I had to pay for that, this whole exercise would uh, quickly collapse on itself. So thank you for Bi thank you to Bindmark, uh for helping me out with that. And now thanks to everybody who's monetarily... Um, supported me and kept the show on the road and uh some of some of these people also asked questions that are answered today so thank you to niall donegan michael mullen jensen jonathan m heavy georges dave butterbeans steve hose mark holland vlad shelby kruver jackie plage one i one one g philip klustermann jaroslav lichtblau kai sears fadi mansur ikn dirk didi matt jellyman joe poser michael small David Potter, Mika, Martin, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Mr. Amish, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Larry Glock, 
Bennett Piata, Avis, Neil, Matt, Captain Egghead, D, Christoph Martin, and Felipe Cavallo. Thanks to all of you. I appreciate it a lot. And then I have to say thanks. You know, I stream this uh, live on Twitch. Uh, Twitch TV slash Foxtrot Alpha Bravo. Uh, you know, I've, I started doing this. I really like this. I like the live feedback I'm getting. And um, I stream other things on Twitch. Um, and if you like what I'm doing, you can subscribe to the channel. This is a way, if you have Amazon Prime, you um, if you're paying for Prime, you can basically do this for free uh, because you are... Um, You have a thing, if you have Amazon Prime, you have a thing called, it's called Twitch, no, it's called Prime Gaming now, which includes one f Twitch subscription, which you have to renew every month manually, but uh, it's free to you and the channel will get the money uh, they'll get for the normal Twitch subscription. So you can do that if you want to support the show. Um, and if you have uh, Amazon Prime, it won't cost you anything. Um, so thanks to my Twitch subscribers, which are Mike underscore The Dane, Jason Word with a three, Galteran, Redeemer F, Indie Gamey X, and Andy Pants, where, you know, with a four. P4NTS, Andy Pants. Thanks to all of you. And that's it. That is the, that was, that was the episode. This was the one year anniversary episode. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to have you guys and gals. When I say guys, I usually, you know, it's, uh, uh, gender non-specific but uh, i'm happy to have all of you who are supporting me who are making this possible who are allowing me to do this which i love doing i love my job if i rent a lot that you know that doesn't mean i don't love it i, I, I love doing this um and it, that it's that what keeps me going every single day so thanks again uh, happy to have you i hope i'll be here for a few more years with this show uh, i'll certainly will give my best and uh, i'm not running out of out of uh you know, uh, zeal or zest or whatever to do this. Um, I'm still very interested in the topics we're covering. It's, you know, one of the reasons I changed the show around a bit. You know, it's growing. It's over this year, over the first year, it's 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 evolved and I changed it a bit at the beginning of 2021. That's, you know, one of the reasons to keep it fresh for me and for you. I just don't want to rehash the whole, the same thing over and over again. It's not, not good for anybody. So yes, uh, I will play you out today with a song called Drinking You Off My Mind by a band called Thera with a Y. Um, nice little country, modern country ditty, uh, which I like very much. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be doing that. I'll see you next week, you know, for the regular Wednesday episode. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking until then... Uh, It, it is a wonderful journey we're on. I, I, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, thanks for being here. And I'll give my best, you know, to, uh, to defend your right to have something to hide. See you next week. Goodbye. Magazines, the illusion falls, and nothing's what it seems to be. The part left is hurting deep inside of me. Hurt away.
Was it the same night you had trouble with your car? What's been broken? 